I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis in chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We've been studying in the book of Romans about the spiritual mind versus the carnal mind. A person who thinks about the things of God to be spiritually minded means to mind the spirit. But a spiritual mind leads to construction. A carnal mind leads to destruction. And the Lord tells us, unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain that build it. We know that we're supposed to build upon a solid rock. And Christ says, if you build upon sand, it means you built upon man. You build upon the rock, it's because you built upon his sayings, what God's word says. Uh, we need to understand who in the world designed the home. Who designed it? You have to understand the purpose of the home in order to be the right kind of a father or right kind of a husband, the right kind of a mother, the right kind of a wife. You understand it from God's point of view. So the best way to do that, of course, to get back to basics, you've got to go back to the beginning. So here in the book of Genesis in chapter 2, I want you to look in verse 8. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Before God made a man, he made a perfect environment and put him in it. Wasn't that sweet of God? I, I like that. I like that. Now look there in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Isn't that wonderful of God? Isn't that great? But, he says in verse 17, The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So there's one that you're not supposed to do. Now look there in verse 18. Verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Now who said that? God said that. God said, It is not good that man should be alone. So he made him a golf club. <laughs> That's not in your Bible? It didn't say that. God gave him a football. God gave him a job. He did do that. Anyway, but he says, I will make him and help me for him. In other words, like God made a man, but was he finished? I mean, he was finished. Or was he complete? Some people have problem with the word complete and finished. It's like, am I, is it the same thing to be complete? Is to be finished? If it's finished, it's complete. If it's complete, it's finished. Well, there is a slight difference. For example... If a man marries the right woman, he is complete. She is called a completer. She completes the man. But if he marries the wrong woman, he's finished. <laughs> if she catches the right man with the wrong woman, he's completely finished. Now, some of y'all are not going to go any further today. You're going to stay right there and think about what I've just said. But now, 
Look down in verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to all the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found unhelped meat for him. Now, I want you to understand. This is somebody to help to meet the needs of the man. God made the man first. Now, I know I've had women tell me, he said, yeah. But he had some practice. And look what he did when he made the woman. Okay. Eve was the only one that could be, I guess you could call like an angel up in the air, nothing to wear and harping on something. So there was no help meet for him. Someone to help meet his need. So God made a woman. And the angel that came down and talked to Adam and says, um, God wants to make you a perfect help meet Exactly like you, it, but it'll cost you a leg. He said, it cost me a leg. He said, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> so, the Lord caused him to go to sleep. Anesthesia. And God performed surgery and he took a rib. And God made a woman. And look what happened. In verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. This is what usually happens to a man. He goes into a deep sleep. Like this uh, guy named Jesse. He said to Kyla, He said, I have a half a mind to get married. She says, that's all it takes. <laughs> and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and... He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. God brought the woman to the man. Now, who made the man? God. Uh, who made the woman? God. Who brought them together? God. Now, that's the way that God did it in the very beginning. This was all God's plan. Man did not design this. Woman, you did not design this. God did that. And God brought them together. Now, if there had not been any sin, there would have been no death. No death, Adam and Eve would still be alive today. And still married. Don't that blow your mind? How long have you been married? 6,000 years. Maybe 10 been married a long time. And so he says in verse 23, And Adam says, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, in verse 24, very important, Shall a man leave his father and his mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too become one flesh. And man, woman, get married, become one, and there's a child. Two became one. Now, we're one in marriage, but we're also to be one in purpose. And the purpose is to find out what does God say and what does God want. So marriage is a divine institution. And I believe that the best thing that children can ever see about their mother is that their mother is loved and treated right 
by daddy. That is the stability of a home. The home should be a place of peace and joy and happiness, believe it or not. Now, we know that it's not always the case, but it should be. The harmony of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit should be the same harmony that's there with the mom, the dad, and the kids. It should be a little bit of heaven on earth, but you and I, a lot of times, Home is a little hell on earth. That's not the way God planned it. That's not the way God designed it. It's because sin has entered in. And that's not the way God wants it to be. So the divine institution of the home, of marriage itself, it provides a basis and order for the human race. And it's important because, you see, there are things that God has given to us that he wants us to do, to fulfill. We can either be constructive or destructive. Without God, everything falls apart. Without the Lord, you as an individual are very corrupt. You will go your own way. Marriages go their own way. Nations go their own way. But if we did what God says do, everything is constructive. Everything builds. Everything works God's way. But you see, we don't want to do things God's way. I had people that told me that we want to get married. And it came down to just about, I think, a month before they were to get married. The girl, she leans over the desk and she says, Pastor, when you do the vows, would you leave the word obey out? I says, what? She said, would you leave the word obey out? I says, no, ma'am, I will not. And if you won't obey him, I won't marry y'all. They had to get somebody else. If a woman isn't willing to do her role that God gave to her, don't marry the man. Let him find someone who will. Don't ruin your life and his. It won't work. So we're equal partners. It will not work that way. It's not the way God designed it. God set up things that will work God's way. And sometimes I think that children are ruined because they don't see the peace, the joy, the harmony between the mom and the dad. And it should be there. This is how they learn. And you'd be surprised that like I talked to little Johnny, he said, I came from a broken home. I found out he broke it. But the Word of God has laid down a, a way that will work, and we need to understand it. It provides the boundaries for intimacy between a man and a woman. There's boundaries, a boundary. And those boundaries are very important. They're boundaries that God has set and he wants everyone to listen to what he has to say. Not to do so, there's no guidelines and everything falls apart. It provides a stable environment for the children. A man, a woman that love the Lord. It provides a stable environment for those kids. Now, we don't always have parents that do what they're supposed to do. I wish that I could go back and redo some of the things that I've done when I was 
young in the Lord. But I didn't see how it was supposed to be, and I didn't always make the right decisions. I think I could do a better job the second time around. But we don't get that second choice. It's one trip through, and we do the best we can. Let me give you this. Love is the foundation for marriage and must be the basic concept for marriage. The mental love attitude in marriage finds many areas of expressions, such as our conversation, our graciousness, our companionship, and our physical intimacy. It's because of love. For example, a man and a woman, they can be married in the physical relationship, but not be happy because the love's not there. Sin abounds when love waxes cold. There's two kinds of wars that we are accustomed to. It's called the hot war and the cold war. The hot war is when things are not exactly right, and so we just verbally, we holler, yell, and shout, and threaten, and all that. All right, that's a hot war. You say, well, it don't last very long, and I get it off my chest, and I feel so much better. Uh, yeah, a shotgun blast don't last long either, but it sure does a lot of damage. Now, there's the other kind. It's the, uh, the silent treatment, the Cold War. We often talk about the Cold War we had with Russia. But there's a lot of Cold Wars going in in a lot of homes. If Cold War is where they just don't speak to each other. Or one don't speak to the other. Just give the cold treatment. Like I didn't hear you. I didn't even see you. Nothing goes right. And you become bitter and critical on everything that's said and done. And then they look for every flaw. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. I've told people, you don't look and see with both eyes. Just see with one eye. Hear with one ear. Don't always be looking for everything that can go wrong. Don't look for all the faults and the flaws. A man marries a woman because of the way she is. And he wants her just like that to stay. Don't change. And she marries him. But I'll I'll, I'll change him the way I want him. And it, it doesn't work. You accept each other the way they are. Remember the vow when you took those vows? For better or for? And a lot of time it gets worse. But what was the vow? What did you promise? I love you and I'll honor you until death do us part. For better or for worse? Richer or for poor. So how many, how many wives can you have? Sixteen. Four rich, four poor, four six, four. Just one. One will do. But it's for better, for worse. Richer, for poor. Sickness and in health. You see, those are things that we say and we promise. God is the one who is watching over Every marriage. He knows everyone who's vowed and promised. Uh, this is what the children need. And the husband needs to treat the wife the way he's supposed to treat the wife. Because the kids need to see how they're supposed to treat their wife when they get married. By watching how daddy treats his wife. And that little girl 
Uh, she needs to know how mama obeys her husband so that when she gets married, she'll know how she's supposed to treat her husband. But see, if all they see is hollering and yelling and fighting and fuming and fussing and all the rest of it, you're training them. That's how you solve your problems. They're learning from you. Now, I believe that God has placed, and it's the Word of God, the man is to be the head of the body. See, I've only got one body up here. I only got one head. Now, if I had two heads, I'd be a freak. Marriage only has one head. God holds the head, the man, as the head of the home, responsible for the home. Your wife is a mirror or a reflection of how you're doing. If she's not happy, the man needs to look in the mirror. He got to figure out how to meet not only the physical needs, material needs, financial needs, but the spiritual needs of the wife. Because if she's not happy, he won't be happy. Nobody's going to be happy. Because she, she is the mirror, the reflection of the harmony, the peace, the joy, the love of the home. She is what reflects to others his leadership and her submissive. So it goes both ways. So the man has got to try to make sure that when you choose to marry somebody, you choose somebody that knows the Lord and wants to serve the Lord. Because if she doesn't want to serve the Lord, she's not going to make a good wife in yielding. And understand this. If, for example, you want to honor the Lord, then the woman must honor her head. She must honor her husband. She must be obedient to her husband. Now, I'm not talking about where the man gets out the bullwhip and he whips. I'm the boss. I'm the dictator. Everybody does what I say. If you have to do that, you're not fit to lead. If you can't lead by loving them, you're not fit to lead. And I can see why a lot of women rebel against their husbands because their husbands aren't fit to obey. They're not obeying the head over them, which is Christ. Because they're supposed to set the right example in forgiveness and compassion and mercy and understanding. Majority of men do not understand their wives. They don't know why they do what they do. I'll have to admit there's a lot of there. And it's hard, I know. But it takes the grace of God not to see everything, not to hear everything. And there's times when a a woman's moods can change like that. No cause for it whatsoever. Or no man has ever found the cause. <laughs> but you got to understand, you're supposed to be rock solid. You don't get overexcited, and you don't go around greatly depressed. A man who's always depressed, always complaining, always down in the dumps, is not going to be a good example to anybody. You're supposed to have your confidence in the Lord, and you know God is going to walk you through whatever it might be, whatever the cares may be, and you trust the Lord for that. Take your Bible and look in the book of Romans in chapter 12. Romans in chapter 12. We often use this verse for, you know, trying to challenge and motivate somebody to serve the Lord. Uh, but I want you to look at it from a little different point of view. Romans chapter 12, and look there in verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now look in verse 2. Now, if you are a woman, I want you to read this verse. And if you're a man, I want you to read this verse. Because there's something in here for both. Where he says, be not conformed to this world. That means man or the wife to be conformed to this world. God wants the man and God wants the wife to be conformed to the word. So women, when you conform yourself to the word of God, you will learn to be obedient to God. And if you're obedient to God, you have to submit yourself to the husband that you married. You say, well, you ought to see what I married. Yeah, I, I know. I've seen a lot of that. Well, I just don't trust his judgment. Well, I can see who he married. It's hard to trust somebody that you don't love. And so a man and a woman needs to understand, look, can God change both of you? It's not the job of the man or the woman to change each other. But both should be conformed or changed as you grow in the Lord. And if you grow in the Lord, you'll grow closer to each other. My wife and I will be celebrating our 51st anniversary in another month. 51 years. That's, that's not forever, I know. But it's still a long time. Been a long time. <laughs> you know what? There was this, um, this man was sitting there in his chair. And, and his wife walked up to him and says, honey, that's, you know, this is our 50th anniversary. He said, I, I know, I know, I know. And she looked close and realized he had tears in his eyes. And she thought, this is, this is so touching. She says, well, you got tears in your eyes, hon. He said, well, you remember that day 50 years ago when your dad stuck that shotgun in my ribs? and <laughs> He told me either I marry you or 50 years behind bars. She said, yeah, I remember that. She says, today I'd be a free man. <laughs> um, You have a wife, you have a husband, love each other, forgive each other. Neither one of you are perfect, are you? It's so easy to see the wrong in everybody else and not in ourselves. And the man doesn't change the wife, he changes himself. If he will change himself, God can change that woman. All you do is just do right and trust the Lord. And make sure you don't try to give the other person reasons not to bend or to yield to the Lord. And you pray. Pray all the time. Pray. Now look what he says here. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the husband is. The will of God. But it's for the husband and it's for the wife. Did you know that there is a perfect will of God for the husband and for the wife? God has laid down the roles. And we're like playing a part. God says, now, man, this is what you're to do. And wife, that this is what you're supposed to do. And if both will do what God says do, then you will be happier. And you can learn to love each other. And things can grow. Things can be changed. Do things God's way. Trust Him.
your husband is not God. He's just a man. And he makes mistakes. You knew that before you married him, didn't you? If you didn't, you were naive. You know he, he does things wrong, but you love them so much. And they say love is blind. Yeah, but marriage is an eye opener. So your eyes have now been opened. And now you see better. If I'd have known this. Okay, you didn't. But if you knew what God's word says, can God heal and forgive? Love, marriage is a commitment to each other. It's not based upon feelings. Feelings come and go. You know, today I feel like I'm married. Well, tomorrow morning I go, you know, I don't feel like I'm married today. Well, I am. My wife will let me know that I am. Did you know that you can sit in a restaurant and my wife can have her back to the windows? And I can sit there and we're looking at the menu and get ready to order and I can look at people all day long. But as soon as they go, my wife will turn completely around and she'll look out there and she knew, I just saw somebody I shouldn't have saw. She can tell when I'm looking at somebody. Now, I don't ever look at anybody for the... Oh, but she can, she can read you like a book. That woman knows you, buddy. And the longer she lives with you, say, well, she just don't trust me. Yeah, I wonder why. Because <laughs> there's so... See, the intuition of, of a woman is the transparency of man. It means that a woman can see through us. And they are very sensitive. A woman likes security. She likes security. A man sometimes doesn't think the same way that a woman does. A woman wants to hear the words, I, I love you. She wants to be touched. She wants to be praised. Uh, be, you know, appreciated. A man can go, I can go, I can go six months and not have to worry about it. You don't say anything. I told you I loved you when I married you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. But a woman wants to hear it. You say, well, you know, giving flowers. That's not something I used to do. I, I gave her some flowers one time, and she took the thing, and she put it in a, a book. And she had it there for about 20 years. And she opened it up one day. She said, yeah, there's, that, there's that flower you gave me 20 years ago. I said, well, whenever you get rid of that one, I'll get you another one. One day I really shocked her. I got her 42 roses on our 42nd anniversary. 42 roses. Dollar a rose. $42! But I thought she was worth it. So you know, you got, there's things that a woman likes. And she likes it when other women like what the husband did for her. They like to brag. What I despise is going to somebody's home and the man does all the cooking. You realize what that does to the average man? I don't cook. I don't even boil water. And then here's a guy that can do all of that stuff. And I thought, man, that's, that's, that's just not right. So... Even though we can cook. I, mean, I, I like to eat the cooking, though. But uh, I've never asked my wife to preach for me. 
And so I told her, don't, don't ask me to cook for you. <laughs> so when she gets not to feeling good, I just take her out to eat. <laughs> when she gets really sick and all the dishes start getting, I said, don't you worry about one of those dishes. I said, they can just wait till you get well. Now, some of you think I'm bad. I'm bad. There's no woman that wants a husband like that. But, you see, you've got to accept the person with some of their flaws. I've got a couple flaws. And uh, I haven't found any in her. You see, there's a verse in the Bible. If you will obey this verse in the Bible, it will add to the happiness of this life. And it's in the Old Testament. My wife told me all about it. It's in Hebrew. It says, husbands, obey your wives in all things, for this is right. Now, I've never found that verse. But she said it's in there. But you really, in sincerity, you should, husbands, study the Word of God and let God conform you to be the kind of a husband you ought to be. Your wife needs to know that you have compassion. Not just somebody who can just lay down the law. I'm the head of my home. You do what I say do. God put me in charge. Now, that'll work good for about five minutes. But don't go to sleep at night. Don't eat. <laughs> kind of like I mentioned before, I was talking to him on a Wednesday night. And I said, I have developed an anti-aging medicine. It's a little pill, and all you do is it's filled with arsenic. And if you take it with a glass of water, it'll, it'll be, it's a sure cure for anti-aging. <laughs> you, won't, you won't get older. But, you know, this one woman, she, she did. She went to the pharmacy, and she told the pharmacist, she says, I need some cyanide. He says, what do you want it for? She says, I want to kill my husband. He says, lady, I can't give you any cyanide. I'd lose my license, and that's wrong. Absolutely not. I will not. Absolutely not. So she pulled out a picture, and she showed it to him. It was her husband, his wife. And he stared at it for a minute. He says, I didn't know you had a prescription. But get this, a strong marriage must have mutual understanding. Try to understand your husband. Try to understand the wife. Understand that they don't always understand, if you can understand that. They don't always get it. And they don't always say what they mean or mean what they say. And that's why when you get angry sometimes, you say things you shouldn't say. And you think things you shouldn't think. And you can accuse when you shouldn't. And it must have mutual adjustments. You see, there's the motor and there's the tires. Well, you've got to have a transmission. And your transmission is learning how to shift gears. You can't always go the same speed. Especially when I told you before, if you kind of yoke together uh, a racehorse and a donkey, uh, you know you've got problems. And there's a lot of marriages where there's a, a racehorse and a, a donkey. It could be the man or the woman, whichever one, it don't matter. But now the racehorse wants to go and the, the donkey does stubborn. Have you married somebody that's stubborn, just plain stubborn? And you think you just want to get a tube before and put it over their head just to get their attention. 
Sometimes one of them's like that. So you've got to learn how to adjust. You know, you get a long two before or a short two before. <laughs> no. You just got to learn how to deal with each other and forgive one another. And maybe you don't get to go as fast as you want to. But listen, the important thing is to get wherever you're going together. You're going to climb some mountains. There's going to be a lot of boulders in the way. The boulders are not your problem. You can go around boulders. It's the loose gravel that causes you to lose your footing. It's not going to be big things. It's the little bitty things that just irritate you. See, the man should find out what irritates his wife and then do it. No, and avoid it. Some of you have learned each other and then you do it just out of meanness. Don't be mean to one another. Be kind. Be forgiving. The Bible tells us that the wife is to, to learn from older women on how to love their husbands. And now I had a woman tell me one time, well, it doesn't say in the Bible, wives, love your husbands. But it does say, wives, submit yourself to your husband. Well, I don't like that. The Bible does say to love one another. If that person is a Christian, are you, are you obligated to love your husband? If, that, if your husband is a Christian? Well, you should anyway. Love one another, set the right example, and do what God wants you to do. There's so much on this that I would love to say. I thought, man, I'll just have a marriage seminar and just talk to some people about some of these things. Because there's so much. And because I, I, I love people and I love families. I love the kids. I want God's will to be done in the lives of every family. Because see, there's no such thing as a strong family without strong individuals in the family. And I had a man tell me one time, he says, my wife and I, he says, he was a pastor of a church. And he was always busy, always, but he never had any time for his wife. He didn't have any time for the wife. He had a couple of boys. And uh, she says, honey, I, I need to talk to you. Well, I ain't got time right now. Honey, I need to talk. I ain't got time right now. He never had time for her. Didn't have time for the kids. He was always going, 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 going. In the ministry. The ministry. Okay, the ministry. And she says, I want to have a word with you. And he says, honey, you know that the ministry means so much to me. And she pointed her finger at him. And she says, without me, you don't have a ministry. It wasn't long before he didn't have a ministry. She left him with the kids, and it cost him. You see, you can't make them, because people want to know if they judge the pastor. Since you've been here, isn't it true that you judge me a little bit by how my wife is? Good or bad, you still do it. Some of you have seen my kids. You'll judge me by my kids. And I'll say, you ought not do that. Because if they really mess up, then what about me? But we do it. Your home will be judged by the countenance of your wife. Love your wife. Better treat her right. And whenever she's... Uh, Disturbed about things, you better listen, better listen, better listen. Without her, you won't have a ministry. Without her, you won't have a home. She is important. Husband, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. God says you need each other. You were made for each other. It's so important. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. 
And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. Now, God says for us to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. We're all sinners. And the wages, eternal separation from God and hell. And you know, God says that we cannot earn eternal life. We cannot work our way to heaven. God says that we have all sinned. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's struggling. Most families are struggling. Husband, their wife, the kids, grandkids. There's always a battle going on. You're always fighting and struggling. But at least do it together. And then whenever you get on up there in age, at least you say, look, uh, it's no joy in getting to the top of the mountain when there's nobody to share the joy with. It's so good when my wife and I, we sit down and we see some of the people that we've ministered to over the years. And we know the price that we paid, what it cost us. And to reminisce. So you remember this? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? And we've had some hard times. But we've gone through them. But we've gone through them together. And we didn't always understand everything. But God is a good God. And God will walk you through it. But love your husband. Love your wives. And do right. Now this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now he don't like what we do wrong. And everybody does. Everybody's a sinner. And, and the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. So Jesus Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if we believe he did it for us, he would put that payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what he did. Best news in all the world. No tricks to it. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just right now talk to the Lord and say something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and right now, I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven whenever I die. Friend, if you've never done that, do it right now. God loves you so much. And I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. That means, yes, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me. You want it all. You want it all. You that have trusted Christ as your Savior and God's child, let me encourage each one of you. Love your wives. Love your wives. Let those children know that they have a good mother. A good mother. You praise your wife. Compliment your wife. Never let the kids hear you say anything detrimental about the other. It's not wise. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. And give us a good day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.